We're grateful for everyone that's with us at home as well. Don't you think Matt was looking rather dapper today? I thought maybe we got the Sundays mixed up on who was preaching. And uh, look, looking pretty good there, brother. But uh, together we are about to experience, I think, a real presence of the Lord and a real word of the Lord. Because I'm going to introduce our theme, in many ways our focus, the foundation of 2022. How many are grateful for a new year? Now, for the rest of the world, the year starts in January, but in Australia, it always starts in February. And uh, we're not wasting our summer, so, you know, we're doing January all over the place, but here we are. For us, it's like the first of the year. You know, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment in the scriptures? And Jesus said, well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. And we know that's the greatest commandment in the Bible. But there's also another greatest commandment. And what I mean by that, the commandment that we're told to do more than any other commandment. Fifteen times in the scriptures we're told do not murder. But how many reckon that's a pretty powerful command? Let's not do that. Amen? Twenty-one times we're told do not steal. Well, let's not steal. But 122 times, that's why I call it the greatest, next to what Jesus calls the greatest, 122 times we're told to not to be afraid. In the New King James Version of the Bible, 122 times we are told to not be afraid, do not fear, do not be afraid. And so this year, we are basing and founding our theme on those 122, the greatest number of commandments given in the scriptures for every one of us is to not be afraid. And our theme this year is fearless. Creating a courage culture. Now we know what culture is in the world today, but we can create culture. And that is going to be our focus over these next months, creating a courage culture. I want to begin in one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 112. Love this psalm through the years. I've actually done a whole series on this psalm. It talks about, you know, blessed is the the man, the woman that that fears the Lord. That's how it starts out. And then it has all the wonderful benefits and, and, and things that come to the life of that person. Let me read verse one. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. And then the rest of the psalm starts talking about your children and your life and your blessing and your legacy and your heritage and all of the benefits that's going to come. So we get to verse 8, and it says, they who they, the, verse 1, those who fear the Lord, those who joyfully fear the Lord, they are confident and fearless. They are fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. Those who fear the Lord are fearless 
and can face their foes triumphantly. They face their foes without intimidation or intrepidation because they fear the Lord. There is a fear that overwhelms and devours every other fear. The fear of God dethrones, defeats, deposes every other fear of life. There is a fear that makes me fearless. Just like there's a fire that puts out fires. If you're part of our fire services, you know that sometimes you just got to fight fire with fire. And sometimes the best way to put out a fire, you know, you got a raging fire. Come on, Australia. We know about Sydney. I mean, we know about raging fires. How many remember that Christmas uh, some years ago? You know, I know I was across the street running with buckets trying to put out the fire that was coming down the, the Blue Mountains. There's helicopters over dripping water on top of us. We know about fires, but sometimes the best way to put out a fire is with a fire. And they start a fire that meets the raging fire headed toward a city or a town or a community. And by the time it gets there, it's met by a fire that defeats it and puts it out. Just like there is a fire that puts out fires, there is a fear that puts out fears. We read in Hebrews 12 and verse 29 that our God is a consuming fire. And I believe that the fear of God is a fire that backburns the incendiary fears of life. So, what is the fear of God? What is the fear of the Lord? You know, we've heard about it, and you know what, what you know, many times we get comments on what it is, but most of the time when I hear comments on what it is, it really is comments on what it ain't. But what is it? What is this fear of God that makes me fearless against every foe and I can face them? You know, when I was a young father, just a few short years ago, <laughs> I read the entire Chronicles of Narnia to my children. And uh, I just love C.S. Lewis. Carol and I have had the privilege of visiting and doing a C.S. Lewis, Lewis tour there uh, in, uh, in uh, England. Uh, but I can remember reading that series to my children. And many times they'd look at me and say, Dad, why are you crying? And I'd be crying because of the beauty of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, and the allegory, and, and, and how C.S. Lewis took this amazing story like a kid's story and showed us Jesus through Aslan, the great lion, and showed us salvation, you know, by going to that stone altar and redeeming us like he did those kids that come out of the closet, you know, and, and entered into, into Narnia. And if you've never read it, you, you've got something wonderful ahead of you. I mean, I know we can watch it on TV, but there's something about reading it to my kids. And probably the first real help I've ever had in my life trying to understand what the fear of the Lord is comes from a little paragraph in The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe, written by C.S. Lewis, and I read this and wept. I read this, and I, th I, I began to get a concept of what the fear of the Lord is. And so I'm reading from a little paragraph from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The children are there, and Susan is being told who Aslan is, the great lion. And so here's what she hears. 
has land is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I mean, the Bible says in Hebrews 10.31 that he's not safe. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Safe? Who said anything about safe? But good? Oh. Oh, he's good. He's good. So what is the fear of the Lord? So I want to show you six powerful scriptures. They'll come up on the screen that literally walk us right through. Maybe this will help us get a concept of the fear of the Lord because we cannot live a fearless life without it. I said we cannot live a fearless life without the fear of the Lord. And so here's what we read, Psalm 19.9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Another translation says it's pure. Oh, it's pure, it's clean. Uh, Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Man, wisdom is what we need to raise them kids. If you've got teenagers in your house, you need to be begging God for wisdom. Wisdom. We need it for our marriage. We need it for our life. We need it for our ministry. All right, how do we get it? Well, here's where it begins. It begins with the fear of of the Lord. Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's the fool that says in his heart, there is no God. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. We read in Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. To hate the very thing that wants to take you out. We read in Proverbs uh, 14, verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. And then in Isaiah, we read in verse 6 of 33, the fear of the Lord is a treasure. It's a treasure. This year, I'm going to decree for you and me that we are only going to make room for one fear in our life, only one fear, and it's the fear that makes us fearless. And that is the fear of the Lord. That's all we are going to have room for in our heart, in our mind, and in our soul this year. We're talking about creating a courage culture. Now, we've lived the last two years in a COVID culture. We've awakened every day to alarm Unease, concern, angst, dread, distress, danger, disease, and death. And the world is in trouble. This has been our culture for two years. You know, um, my daughter is here today with her husband, who, by the way, went through our 
from kindergarten to year 12, all through our school, all three of our children also went through our school. And I'm kind of proud that she went on to get her doctor's degree after coming through Penrith Christian School. That kind of makes me feel good about being a dad and also having a school like this. And I get to brag on her and embarrass her in front of everybody. <laughs> and that's always good. Her and I were walking the other day. And she said to me, Dad, have you heard of this new hashtag word that's kind of become a hot key word? It's everywhere on the Internet right now. She said, I've never, I've never heard of it. And she said, have you heard of this word? I said, what word is it? She said, it's this word, fear porn. Fear porn. I thought, fear porn? I mean, I've heard of different kinds of porn, but I've never heard of fear porn. And she said, this is a real hashtag. So I went online and I read a little paragraph that said on Instagram alone, at least the day I looked at it, there were over 5,000 hashtags, fear porn. And then I found out that there's actually a dictionary. I've never even heard this phrase. And I found out that the Collins Online Dictionary has a definition for fear porn. Media content that deliberately and enticingly plays on people's fears about disaster, disease, and death. And like all porn, it's addictive. And like all porn, you just can't stop looking at it. And it's on our devices. I remember, do you remember the 10th of September last year? I remember that day because that was the day Gladys Berejiklian stood up and said, we are no longer going to have our 11 o'clock session on how terrible everything is and where you can't go and what you can't do. And the outcry that came up, well, 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 what are we going to do at 11 o'clock? What's the new thing to dread? Where's the new? COVID is contagious and fear is infectious. But today, I declare a new year and a new atmosphere. I declare courage is contagious. And I'm decreeing that being fearless is infectious and transmittable and transmissible. Come and give me a hug. <laughs> Courage is contagious. You know, we, we see this in the Old Testament story in 1 Samuel of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And so things were really bad for King Saul and the Philistines were everywhere and they just caused dread and every, they just, they, they, you know, the, the, the nation was in such trouble. And so Jonathan and his armor bearer have snuck away from Saul, his dad, and the 600 men somewhere right there in the area of Michmash. And they're, hide, they're literally, the Bible says, hiding in holes. Soldiers, mighty men. 
and they're hiding behind rocks, and they're hiding in holes while the Philistines just strut back and forth. And Jonathan and his armor bearers sneak away. And they come to this little spot in the valley, not far from where his dad is hidden. And there's two cliff walls. Actually, these walls are so famous, these two cliffs, that they, have, they actually have a name. One of them is named, uh, I think, Boses, Bo, Bo, B-O-Z-E-Z, Boses, and the other is Sinna. And so they're somewhere down here either leaning up against Boses or leaning up against Sinna. Boses faces Michmash. Sinna faces Gilgoa, Gilboa. And they're, you know, they're kind of hit up against the wall. And Jonathan looks over to his armor bearer and he says, you know what? And with God, it's not, it's like, it's like God can save with many or with few. He doesn't need, I mean, and he, and, and, and he begins to talk to his armor bearer. What if you and I, what if just you and me, because it doesn't matter with God, what if you and me go up there? And his armor bearer said, wait, what? what wait, wait, what? what? What's your strategy? We're going to surround him. Wait, 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 what? No, that's not what his armor bearer said. His armor bearer looked at Jonathan and thought, Dude, wow, man, I want some of that to get on me. And his armor, well, maybe I should quit making up my own version, and we'll just, we'll just read it, 1 Samuel 14, 6. Then Jonathan says to the young man who bore his armor, come, let's go up to the garrison of these uncircumcised. That right there gives you a clue about that Jonathan had in his heart something about the fear of the Lord. By using that very phrase right there. Come on, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. I mean, he just might. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you, according to your heart. I mean, courage is contagious. And Jonathan and his armor bearer Step now out of the, of the, up against the wall where they're hid, and they reveal themselves to the Philistines. And the Philistines said, hey, boys, come on up here. We got something for you. And Jonathan looks over, and he says, see, the Lord's given them to us. And his armor bearer said, hot, dang, let's go. And they climbed up, and in about 10 or 15 minutes, 20 Philistines are lying there dead, and Jonathan and his armor bearer just gaining momentum with all the courage that's come upon him, and a rumbling starts, and the, and the Philistines start running. What the heck is going on? And Jonathan and, and Saul puts his head up, and the other guys lift up out of the holes like those little animals that come up out of the holes, and they look, and they see that what's happening up there on the top, and Saul says, who, who, who's missing? Who's missing? They said, Jonathan and his armor bearer. And the next thing you know, the courage that it was on them had now jumped over on Saul and the 600 men and they got up and it's like this it's like this divine reversal all of the courage of the Philistines jumped off of them and onto the Israelites and all the fear of the Israelites jumped off of them and got onto the Philistines courage is contagious and Joel the prophet makes a decree, a prophetic decree. That's it. That was a baby version of amen. <laughs> Joel decrees in chapter 3 and verse 9. Joel says, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. 
Wake up the mighty men. That's kind of what Jonathan did. He woke up those guys hiding and sleeping down there in those holes. The prophet Joel says, wake up the mighty women. Because as we know, that some of the most mighty men are mighty women. Come on, somebody. Wake up the mighty ones. Let all the men and women of war draw near. Let them come up. Now, this is a clarion prophetic call, and I'm hearing it today in my spirit and in my soul. Now, we understand, of course, that our warfare, our courageous warfare is spiritual. We're not after anybody, you know, physically. That's, we're not involved. It's a spiritual warfare. How many know what I'm talking about? This is a spiritual warfare. Jesus did not come to destroy Caesar. Jesus came to destroy Satan. He did not come to dethrone Caesar. They kept trying to get him to, well, to, to pull Rome. But Jesus, he came to dethrone and to destroy Satan. And we read in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Our warfare that we need to wake up to is spiritual. We read in Ephesians 6 and verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Come on. Come on, we do not wrestle against political parties. Come on. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. What Jonathan did is he woke up the men hiding in caves. Now, a few months ago, I came across this poem. I liked it so much. I cut and pasted it and put it in my notes. And I thought, oh, I want to use this in a sermon. I like this so much. This is such a great poem. And I found the spot for it because the poem is named Awaken. And it was written in the 1700s by a guy named Lawrence Tribble. Let me read it to you. One man awake awakens another. The second awakens his next door brother. The three awake can rouse a town by turning the whole place upside down. The many awake can cause such a fuss that it finally awakens the rest of us. One man up with dawn in his eyes surely then multiplies. Fearless. Creating a courage culture. Speaking a new language. That's how you create culture. You begin to speak culture. You begin to use and decree and use words. You begin to declare. Now we know that Jesus said that in the last days, men's hearts would fail them for fear. And here's what I want to say about fear. Fear is founded in facts. Fear feeds on the facts. But fearless is grounded in truth. Facts will feed your fear. Truth will set you free. Truth will make you fearless. Now let me show you how this works. Let me just demonstrate from the scriptures. So in 2 Kings 
chapter 6. The king of Syria, he's in a real bind because every time he attacks the king of Israel, the king of Israel's waiting for him. He can't believe it. He'll plan a strategy. He'll plan a, a, an attack. And when he gets there, the king of Syria's been waiting for him. And so finally, the king of Syria says, all right, who's the traitor? We have a traitor. Somebody is telling the king of Israel all of our battle plans, all of our battle strategies. He's always there waiting for us. He knows exactly what we're going to do. And I want to know who the traitor is. And one of, the, one of his servants says, no, your majesty. No, we're not traitors. It's Elisha. He said, Elisha tells the king of Assyria what you whisper on your pillow. And he said, where is he? Well, he's in Dothan. And so the king of Syria sends his army, his chariot army, to Dothan. And here's what we read. Verse 14, chapter 6. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. You know what? That's a fact. And they came by night and surrounded the city. That's a fact. And when the servant of the man of God arose early in the morning and went out, there was an army surrounding the city. And that is a fact. Horses and chariots. And his servant said to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha answered and he said, Well, I'll tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to be afraid. Yeah. What do we do? The facts are. And Elisha says, we're not going to be afraid. Do not fear for those who are with us. One, two, one, two, two. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And that's the truth. Elisha prayed, and he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, the facts are we are surrounded. The truth is there's more with us than there is with them. And you know the truth. The truth. Facts make us afraid, but the truth makes us brave. And, and, and so, you know, I mean, I, you can't blame Elisha for having a little fun with this. So, you know, they, they're, then they're struck with kind of blindness. And Elisha goes up and he says, who y'all looking for? Oh, we're looking for Elisha. Oh, him. Follow me. I, well, we can't see. No, I'll lead you. I'll lead you. All right, lead us. Well, I'll lead you right to where he is. And so Elisha leads them right into the garrison of the, garrison of the Israeli army, the whole army of Israel. And all of a sudden their eyes open and they're surrounded by the king of Israel and all of the, all of the soldiers. And the king of Israel is going, <laughs> and he says, shall we kill them? And Elisha says, no, feed them and send them home. Fear will make you, or the facts will make you afraid, but the truth makes you brave. 
And let me tell you, the Spirit bears witness with the truth, not the facts. Facts are, we're in trouble. Truth is, we're in Christ. Facts change. Truth remains. I mean, just during this pandemic alone, we've seen facts change twice in a day. But truth lasts forever. The fact is, COVID brought us the year of fear. Actually, it brought us two years of stressful fears. That's a fact. It brought a new atmosphere over Australia. The greatest nation I've ever had the privilege of being a part of has lived for two years under an atmosphere. This pandemic, along with our politicians and the press and the policies, have created a national atmosphere. Fear of the virus, fear of the vaccine, fear of each other, fear of hugging your mother. But the truth is, I mean, that's the facts. That's the facts. But the truth is, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given you or me a spirit or an atmosphere of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the truth. I said, that's the truth. Uh, you can clap if you want to. Fact is, fact is, the devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Truth is, you can resist him steadfast in the faith. Fact is, there are enemies of God. There are enemies of Christ. There are enemies of the cross. There are enemies of the church. There are enemies of Christian education. Truth is, Psalm 3.6 I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. I quote that scripture every single day. Fact is, there's a terror at night. There's an arrow that flies by day. There's pestilence in the darkness, and there's destruction at noonday. Truth is, And you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come nigh you. Fact is, I'm going to die. Not today. The fact is, I'm going to die like everybody else has died. Fact is, I know you're looking at me with big eyes. You're going to die too. That's a fact. I'm going to die. But the truth is, in Hebrews 2, 14, I love this. Because God's children are human beings, 
made of flesh and blood. The Son of God also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives slaves to the fear of dying. I love the message version of this. Let me read it again from that version. Since the children are made flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. G.K. Chesterton, the great Christian apologist of the 19th century. G.K. Chesterton said this, a soldier surrounded by enemies, if he is to cut his way out, needs to combine a strong desire for living with a strange carelessness about dying. That's the best kind of soldier you can have in your group and in your command. A strong desire for living and at the same time, you know what? A strange carelessness about dying. The Apostle Paul kind of said it this way. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, well, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And I confess this every single day. Today is a good day. Uh, to my flesh, to the world, to my selfishness, and maybe any other way. I also confess that every single day. It's just hard to defeat someone who has an attitude like that toward dying. I'm going to leave you with one last scripture. Come on up, team. I love this passage of Scripture. One of my favorite in the whole Bible. It's in the book of Daniel. And it says this. The people who know their God. I love, you know, in the Bible, when it uses this word to know God, it's like Adam knew Eve. So it's not like the people who kind of know, kind of sort of know who God is. No, the people who know God, like Adam knew Eve. The people who know their God, this people, this people right here in this room and right there in your living room, in your home, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out exploits. Exploits. This is the year for you and your family to do great exploits. Now, I think we pretty much are on the downside of COVID. Hope so. How many vote with me? Amen? Hope so. So I kind of feel like I might be able to say we've kind of come through COVID. 
But now we must come out of it. And it must come out of us. And I want to just say this before I pray for us. And I've just introduced today where we're going this year in our theme. Let me just encourage you. Do not feed on fear. Can I say something about the media? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Don't let it use you. You use it. Don't let it manipulate you. You stand up and do some exploits and manipulate it for the purpose of Christ, for the purpose of God, and the purpose of his kingdom. I was walking the other day with one of my best buddies, and he said to me, he said, what do you think? You know, over the last two years, all the Christians we know and all the people who have posted on Facebook, you know, and Instagram and all the Twitter, and they posted their opinions and their thoughts and their take. He said, what if every one of those had been a post of their testimony or a post of their faith or a post of how good God has been to them or a post of scripture or a post of how to find salvation? He said, I reckon we'd have had a revival if that had been what Christians have posted for the last two years. I can tell you right now, the world politicians, pandemic, and governments. That's all temporal stuff. It's going to shift. It's going to change. It's going to be different. But the kingdom of God is here to stay. The church of Jesus Christ is going to last. And don't let the media use you. You use it. Stand with me, please. I'm talking about fearless, not fearful. Now, last year, at this service, we made a decree that we're believing God for a thousand names in a thousand days. And we were closed down for five and a half years. I mean, five and a half, felt like, sorry, just call it like I feel it. We were closed down for five and a half months. And yet in those, this last year, we were still able to record 71 first-time commitments to Christ. And I don't know how many names we actually had added to the church list. Do you have a clue? Sorry. Or over 300 names. How does that happen? Over 300 names were added. When we made this de declaration last year, a thousand names in a thousand days. Some people were saying, what if people don't come back to church? I thought, well, that's up to them. But I'm believing for a thousand people who have never been to church. And let me just tell you, God chasers, totally committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, you couldn't keep them out of church, even if it's church in their own home. A thousand names in a thousand days. We start year two of a three-year faith journey to see that. But today I decree over you and your children, fearless. I decree over you and your marriage, courage. I declare and, and, and just prophesy over you and your ministry and your family and your business, fearless. The fear of the Lord is the only fear you have room for in your life. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I believe this is prophetic. I believe this is your word to us. I believe you are going to wash us in the water of your word. And Father, we are going to cast out the fears of our lives that have manipulated us, the fears that have controlled us, the fears, Lord, that have subdued us. And in Jesus' name, we will face our foes fearlessly because we joyfully have the fear of the Lord and we delightfully obey your command. Father, make us a lighthouse on the hill. Lord, make us strong. Make us a people. Make this become a place where courage is contagious, where people come every week and get a fresh dose of being caught by courage. I pray this. I believe this. I can't wait for this year to come. In Jesus' name, amen.